This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Have we got any smilers out there, or is, it, or is everybody depressed? Just the heat. <laughs> well, whatever it is, we're going to help you smile every once in a while. I was teasing Katie, my daughter-in-law, and I said, Katie, I haven't preached for a while, so every once in a while, I said, take a breath or something, so I know you're alive. Hey, man, but I know that. It's just so good to be here, you know. I, I don't know how much to tell you how good it is to be here. Praise God. It's so it's so good to be here. And just been able to do what I love to do best, teach people the Bible. And, you know, I, I just want to tell you, everybody that came up here for, for a prayer for healing tonight, listen to what I teach, especially you. And if you were, you know, if you got something serious trying to attack your body, listen tonight. I'll show you how to get victory. Uh, I started teaching healing school at a, at a large church back in Indianapolis, Indiana in the 1980s. Matter of fact, I was teaching healing school when my son David got diagnosed with leukemia. And we got David out of that mess in a couple of weeks' time. He got manifested that they said, there's no cancer there. He's healed. And I was attacked. You know, I'll talk a little bit about that probably a little bit, just progress to where to where we are. But it's the Word of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's walking with Jesus. To be able to receive what he has for you. So just listen, listen to what I've got to say tonight if you came up for healing. And then you'll see what to do to keep your healing. It's one thing to get it. It's another thing to keep it. And you want to keep it. And uh, so so anyway, I'm going to get right to the Word of God. And uh, listen with your heart. Not just your head. Listen with your heart. But I want to start off with Proverbs chapter 4. Now we're going to look at verse 20 to 23. Proverbs 4, 20 to 23. And, I, you know, because I recently went through a battle that was already won 2,000 years ago, I'm going to be talking about some things that I did that you can do. And the Apostle Paul told his followers back then, which goes for us today, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. And multiple scripts in the New Testament says, follow those, in Hebrews chapter 6 says, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And so the thing is, you need to follow a man or woman of God that gets results in their life. Because we're all subject to the same things in life. And the difference is, some people win, some people lose. And you need to follow people that know how to win, to have a track record they did win. And you know, I learned, I learned a long time ago that sometimes when I hear sermons, they're not for me right then, but I take notes anyway. And I write them down, and I study. I buy books in line with what it was that I've been here and taught. And then I've, got, then I've got a reservoir of information on the inside of me and on my personal library shelves at home that if something, something, something comes to pass in my life, I thought, well, I don't like this, but wait a minute. I heard Jerry Savelle teach on that back in 1983. And I know I bought his books. He was advertised at the time. I'm going to get those Jerry Savelle books out. Because the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance things that God said to you when you need them. And so you've always got to listen, and you always got to be ready to receive, but always take notes. You know, I just, I just want to just emphasize that again and again and again. And I'll just say that one of, one of my keys to success for 38 years of Christianity, I've never been at a church service I didn't take notes. Never, ever. Out of 38 years, I don't think there's one time I didn't take notes. Not one time... I didn't have my Bible with me, except one time. We went to pick up Joe last year. I just remember this, and 
and uh, his plane got greatly delayed, so we went over to Dr. Johnson's church where we have the Holy Spirit conferences, and wasn't planning on going there. And so all we were planning to do was make a trip to San Diego and back, so I didn't have my Bible with me, because all we were supposed to do is just get there and get back. But then the plane got delayed, stayed all night, so I was in a service, I felt absolutely, I'll tell you the truth, I felt naked, like I wasn't dressed because I didn't have my Bible in that service and my notebook. And so I did what a lot of people do. I don't like it. I mean, if you do, that's good. You do. I've not thought any stones, but I pulled out my cell phone. I thought, i got a Bible app, so I'll follow my Bible app. But I felt like I was cheating. I just felt like, man, something's missing here. Got my Bible app, and I carried a little notebook like this. So I filled up about a dozen pages. Had this little notebook on both sides, just taking notes, and then I took them home. And over the course of the time since then, I've still go back and look at those notes from that night there, because he said things under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that helped me. And so, you know, I just really, I want to emphasize. You know, I talked this morning at the offering time about God said in Isaiah 48, said, I want to teach you to prosper. I said, if you go to a class, you get a textbook, you need to take notes because they're going to give you a test. And so how many here have ever been tested in life in anything? You know, the tests come to everybody. And so if you're going to pass the test, I like what I heard a man say one time, this is an open book test, right? Here's the book. You've got to open the book. If you're going to pass the test and God's not the one that tempts you or tries you it's the devil throws things at you, but you need to study the book now to pass the test when it comes. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, the for title this for your notes is how I received healing from God, how I received healing from God. And uh, I want to say this about the healing school that I taught that I had in my church in the 90s. I patterned it after Brother Kenneth Hagin's healing school. He had a rhema. I used to get to go there sometimes, and I, I studied under him for years and years and years and years. And when the Lord had Brother Hagin start healing school, and some of the stuff I'm saying you need to write down because you need, you need to get this. The Lord told him there's two reasons for healing school. And so I always told my people every week in healing school, I told them the same thing. I said, there's two reasons why we have this healing school. Number one reason is for people that are listening, that are here, that need to receive healing. We want to show you how to receive healing from God. We want to show you how. And then the number two reason is for everybody in here, we want to teach you how not only receive, but take it out to others to give it to them. You know, there's somebody's told me how many churches in the Barstow area, 60-some churches, I think. I've heard that multiple times. Do you know what? There's not very many churches in this city that teach how to receive healing. There's a lot of preachers and a lot of Christians that pray for healing and to believe that God can't heal if he wants to, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of things. But the only way to truly receive healing from God is to approach him on the basis of faith from the written word of God. And guaranteed you receive healing every time. If you follow the word of God, if you walk with the Holy Spirit, you have an open heart. Amen. And so two reasons for healing school. Number one, if you need healing, we want to get you healed. Number two, for those people in your family and friends and people you know that don't know how to receive healing, if you will study your word of God and take notes, you can take healing to them. You know, I know as a pastor, for my people who are hooked up all the time, it's a little bit different. But for people that I don't, that I don't know, that don't know what they know, I never make a hospital call without taking my Bible. Because if I'm going to pray for somebody, especially a Christian that doesn't know anything, I want to open up my Bible. I want to show them Mark 16, which says, lay hands of sick, they shall recover. I want to show them. I want them to see with their own eyes that the Bible says, here's what you do. And then when I know that they've got something, then I pray for them because I put faith in them. 
the Word of God puts faith in them. And it's so good to be able to know those kind of things. And so anyway, how I received failing from God, uh, he told me back in the year 2000, he made this statement to me, faith doesn't deny things, faith changes things. Faith doesn't deny things, faith changes things. Fear goes into denial if they hear a bad diagnosis and they say something like this, I don't have cancer, I don't have cancer, I don't have cancer. That's fear. Why did you go to the doctor in the first place if you didn't have a problem? See, if the doctor tells you what the problem is, why are you going to call the doctor a liar? If the doctor says, we found cancer in your body, cancer has invaded your body. But faith does deny things, faith changes things. And so when, when you've had that diagnosis, you don't stop right there and say, I've got cancer. You say, cancer does not have the right to stay in my body. I do not give cancer permission to live here. It can't destroy me. Cancer is not going to do it. Faith does deny things. Faith changes things. And so if you go to the doctor and you get a serious diagnosis, the first thing you got to know is this. Thank you, ma'am, for giving me that diagnosis. Thank you, sir. They didn't cause it. They just identified it for you because you asked them to. And so then you got, you got, you, then you got an eye on the enemy. Said you got to set a beat on the enemy and what are we going to do to take him out? I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. I'm, amen. I'm talking about things that I did that got me the victory over that whole stupid things. And so fear goes in denial. Faith does something about it. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Proverbs chapter four, verse 20 through 23. Wow, it's quiet in here. Anybody excited about the word? Hey, man, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm, I'm not some quiet Mickey Mouse preacher, man. I want to know you're listening. <laughs> Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 23. By the way, thank you, Dave, for inspiring me the other night. Jump back up here. Okay, it says, My son or my daughter attend to the newspaper. Uh, if you get 2,000 likes on Facebook... If you're having trouble with healing, then get on Facebook and get 2,000 likes and maybe God will hear them. No, it's 10 to what? My words. My words. And so I did what I've always done for 38 years. I stayed paying attention to God's word. And anybody say I've been through any serious treatment, you know, it's kind of tough sometimes. But that stuff's going off your life, man. Your head's hit. Your body's hit. Things going on. And so when I couldn't read my Bible, which was a lot of times the last several months, I mean, I threw that phase out where things are going great, but I couldn't read my Bible. You know what I did? I found a connector. I plug into my iPhone or my iPad to the back of my uh, TV, big old long cord. I sat in my chair when I was in those hurting days praising Jesus for his goodness. I had that big 25-foot cord hooked up across the room, my TV, and I had Brother Hagin preaching day and night. I had Dr. Barclay preaching. I had those guys on my screen up there. I'd sit there for hours and hours and hours on end hearing the faith messages, healing messages, healing messages, because I couldn't read my Bible. But I let the Word of God keep on coming into me, coming into me, coming into me. And he says, attend to my words. And uh, what, what's, the, what's the first few letters of the word attention? A-T-T-E-N. In other words, pay attention to my words. And so that's like in a service like this tonight, or any time you're in a church service, or if you're watching a preacher on television or something, or on, on you know, the modern, uh, what they call it, internet, and things like that, if you, if you want to get something, 
pay attention to what they're saying. Stop and listen. He said, attend, pay attention to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Do you remember that many times Jesus made the statement, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear? Well, that means have an open ear, spiritual ear, and open heart. Let me tell you why that is. I've got to make sure I stick with my notes, but I've got to talk for a minute, so i just got to protect this from the fan. I want the cool, but I want my page to blow it away. So many people have been religiously brainwashed instead of the New Testament taught. And so people, like, I'm so glad that in 1980 when I came to Jesus, I didn't have religious baggage. I hadn't gone to churches that taught me that Jesus doesn't heal everybody. I I didn't go to churches that taught me that sometimes Jesus puts something on you to teach you something because he wants you to be a better Christian. Nobody ever got better by having cancer. Nobody ever got better by being seriously ill. It makes some people turn on God and curse God. They don't get better. I didn't go to churches that taught me that this is because of something that my parents did because of some stupid, goofy reason. And so I had nothing to get out of my head. And so when I, when I got born again, God got, God got me into a church like this. And they opened the Bible. They showed me that Jesus loved me. He died for my sins, took stripes on his back for my healing. I saw that in the Bible. I had no blockages. Amen. I inclined my heart. I inclined my ears. I had open hearts. That went right into my spirit. I got it. And so what he's saying is this. There's people, there's people that came to my healing school from other churches because it came to other people to show them that I was teaching error. I remember one, oh, I, I got to watch the bunny trails. We'll see. I'll, I'll try to keep this on course. But I'll never forget. Had this lady started coming to my church and some other people in the church were breaking my healing school on Wednesday morning. She went to a certain denominational church. I'll never forget this. And she had breast cancer, really bad breast cancer. And so she started coming to my church, and she started getting better. She's come to healing school on Wednesday mornings. I mean, she wasn't coming to my church services, but to the healing school. And that healing school on Wednesday mornings was a heavy-duty, intensive dose of divine healing scriptures and anointing, because God anointed that service for healing. One was getting better and better and better and better. And when you're walking with God, God shows you things in the Spirit. Well, see, I didn't know this was going to happen on the particular day, but I was getting ready to go to healing school to teach it. And all of a sudden, in the spirit, I saw myself teaching in the back row. I saw myself talking to people in the back row. And so in that service, when the service started that morning, these four really goofy-looking religious people came in, I think a man and three women. And man, I could tell they were dipped in religion and unbelief. I mean, you can tell when somebody comes in and you got all these smiling faces receiving and you got four people with no Bibles just going... And they had this lady there, come to find out later on, didn't know it, then come to find out later on, they were the elders, religious people from that church she went to. And so, in my notes, I had it written out, I didn't know this was going to be there. In my notes, I just got back there and preached with my notes, and got back, I went to scriptures, and I was standing in the back row looking at them, and I said, call me a liar if you want to, but I didn't say it, Jesus did. <laughs> Boldness was all over me. I had a church full of people up here, and I was back there. And I'd read through the Word of God. I'd come to verses. I'd give a testimony about people who got healed off those verses. And I said, you can call me a liar if you want to. But Jesus said it. And they got it. And so I did that for about a half hour right there in their faces. Tell them Jesus said it. Jesus wanted to help them. 
It wasn't to save her life. But anyway, after that day, she never came back again. They pulled her out, and she died about a month or two later. That's the whole bottom line I'm saying is this. If you've got religious traditions and human reasonings that have told you things that's not in the Bible, when you come into a church service, always bring your Bible, have an open heart, and if it's in the Bible, especially if it's in a multitude of places in the Bible, like things like healing are, it's in a multitude of places, you need, you need to come in with the attitude. I still do today when I go to preachers' conventions and things, because every preacher isn't a faith preacher. You know, they preach a little bit of faith in a lot of things. But I always say, Lord, I'm coming in here with an open heart. And Lord, if it's contrary to the word of God, I reject it. But Lord, I want to learn something today. If they have something, I need to know that I don't know yet. And the Lord knows myself and everyone here needs so much more we need to learn. Amen. And so I say, Lord, I've got my ears open. But at the same time, I've got to see it in the Bible. Lord, if I see it in the Bible, I'm going to grab it. I'm going to live it. And I'm going to teach it to somebody else. Amen. And so that's what it means here. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. So he wants us to have an open ear. And Jesus said, he that hath an ear to ear, let him hear. And then says, let them, my words, not depart from thine eyes. And that's what I had Brother Hagin playing on, playing on my television set all the time watching him. I wanted to keep this in front of my eyes. And open up my Bible, even as many times as I've taught this myself over the years, when Brother Hagin was on, on those YouTube videos on my television set, I had my Bible right there in my chair. I don't know my Bible. I'd look at it again. I wanted to hear it again. Why was that? I was under serious attack. I had to do all I knew to do to get this thing off of me. I didn't know it was there, but I sure didn't want to stay there. Amen? It says, keep them in the midst of thine heart. Keep them in the midst of thy, my, thine heart. And I want to say this. For all my years of studying, when that attack first started on me, when I would have chemotherapy, there would come a period of time for at least a week because of some of the stuff that's put in my body, I wouldn't sleep for days. I would go to bed, think, man, I'm going to sleep tonight. And finally, two or three o'clock in the morning, it wasn't happening. But I tell you, I would pray all night long, nothing but the Word of God would come out of my spirit. All night long, the Word of God, the Word of God. Why was that? Because I kept it in the midst of my heart. I kept the Word of God in there, and the Word of God came out of there. And so that's what happens when you're under attack. If you've got the Word in, the Word comes out. Amen. And that's what he said, keep them in the midst of thine heart. Why is that? For they, God's words, are life unto those that find them. It didn't say God's word is life to the whole Christian church. It says God's word is life to the part of the Christian church that finds them. And you've got to be looking for it. You know, Jesus said, knock, and he'll open. Seek and you'll find. Ask and you'll receive. So you've got to be seeking answers. You've got to be wanting help. And you're only going to find it in the word of God. So he says, there'll be life unto those that find them, and I like this, and health to all their flesh. In the center column, in the Hebrew, it says medicine to all your flesh. God's word is God's medicine. Got, got a book I recommend to everybody everywhere called God's Medicine by Brother Hagin. He teaches out this passage right here. It's called God's Medicine, and that's God's word is God's medicine. And then another book, it's a great one called How to Write Your Own Ticket with God. How to Write Your Own Ticket with God. And this is out of three of the Gospels. It's a woman with the issue of blood. Anybody ever heard her? The woman with the issue of blood that got healed? That's one of my favorite passages to teach. 
There's been times over the years when I didn't quite have clear direction on what to teach. So I'd go back and I'd say, Lord, this is my favorite teaching in the New Testament is a woman with the issue of blood. So I teach on that. But anyway, those are two great books, really cheap little books back at the bookstore, but they can save your life. Amen. And so it says that the word, would you find it, is healing and medicine to all your flesh. Healing and medicine to all your flesh. And then verse 23 says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. I'm going to break this down a little bit and look at these verses I've just read. And so I've always, since January 1980, been a serious believer in the Word of God. About the Word of God, with the Word of God. I preached my first sermon as a guest preacher in another church in spring of 1981. So 37 years ago, I got to start preaching. And so I'm saying that to say this. I wasn't a novice when this tactic came on my life. I wasn't just on somebody green and didn't know what to do. I've been around this, done it long enough that I knew what to do. And I've been a pastor since uh, 1992. So for 26 years, I've been in congregations like this. I didn't always have my, 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 my sons to help me and other people like that. At one point in time, my church back then, we were on TV multiple times a week. I was doing one, two, three, three services on Sunday, two on Wednesday, plus special meetings. I, I received all the offerings. I spoke over all the offerings. I did all the services. I did it all. Mrs. Pastor did some sometimes, but she did so much other things that, uh, you know, she couldn't preach all the time. But I had the call. So I'm saying, I, w- I wasn't somebody who knew not what to do. I showed a lot of people what to do, so I knew what to do. And uh, I've always majored on faith and healing and confession. That's the words out of your mouth, how you talk about things. I've always majored on those things and teaching people to love walk. Because faith works by love. You cannot be meaner than a junkyard dog with your fellow Christian and think you're going to get healed. And somebody said, what's a junkyard dog? Well, I know by experience because my my great uncle had a junkyard in the ghetto of Indianapolis. They had a junkyard dog. And junkyard dogs are mean. They scare off bad guys from stealing from you. But anyway, you can't be a Christian that snaps and barks and bites at your fellow Christian all the time Think you could receive anything from God. You remember Saul of Tarsus when he was being uh, mean to Christians, put him in prison, and and he held the clothes of Stephen, the first Christian martyr that got that got that got uh, killed. And then when Jesus appeared to him, Jesus said, "Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?" Well, how could he be persecuting Jesus? Jesus was in heaven. And then in Matthew twenty-five, Jesus said, "You did it the least of these, my brother. You did it to me." As so in other words, if you're a Christian man. And you have a Christian wife, and you're being mean to her. Jesus said, hey, man, you better stop that. You're persecuting me. Or if you're a Christian wife, and you're being mean to your Christian husband. Jesus said, I'm taking that personally now. Listen, you don't go so far that I'm going to say that's enough. I came down that shiny light on Saul of Tarsus. I'll come down to your world, too. And so, anyway, I've always taught the love walk. Jesus wants you to love others as he has loved you. So, anyway, I've always taught those things. For all the year, these years, so when I received diagnosis, this first, first week of January, they called it stage four, and I'd heard that for for people, but I'd never heard about me. Stage four, plasmatic lymphoma cancer, and said it had invaded 70% of my blood. And so, I realized why I'd been feeling like I'd been feeling, because I only had 30, 30% of my blood didn't have cancer in it. 
And so that wasn't, that wasn't a very good picture. And so anyway, I knew. Now listen to these things going to be talked about the Word of God. I'm not here to talk about me. I'm using me as an example to help you. And so I knew medical science was secondary. I knew that was secondary, wasn't my primary source of help. And so my healing could only come from the Word if it was going to be long-lasting. Now, I made, the sta- I made a statement this morning. I don't think I've ever said it quite that way. But this is how it works. Physical healing from doctors comes from the outside in. They work from the outside on the body only. But spiritual healing from God comes from the inside out. He said, when you put the Word of God in your heart, he said, that's healing and medicine to all your flesh. And so when the healing comes from the inside, it's long-lasting. It'll stick with you. And so I knew that was my number one thing, was do what I'd always done, just really double up on the Word. Take more medicine, which is the Word of God. And so I've, I've said this statement here a lot of times over the years, because Jesus said to me years ago, and it's always helped me immensely, if you're taking notes and you haven't heard this, even if you have, you might want to write it down. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. And another verse I'll just throw out at you. John 6, 63, Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. John 6, 63, he said, The words I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. I want to say this. You know, we know that the whole Bible is God talking, right? But when a verse, like I may use a verse tonight, it may jump off into you. You think, wow, wow, I see that. Well, guess what? That's Jesus speaking to you. You know, you may read the Bible, and it's good, and it's all edified, but all of a sudden, when a verse jumps off at you, that's not just the Bible, that's Jesus talking to you. That's the Word talking to you. So anyway, the spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. Now, verse 23, look at verse 23 again. It says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now, pay close attention to this. Because this has everything to do with your healing if you need healing. Has everything to do with answers from God. Has everything to do with you receiving anything you need from God. And so it says, it says, above all else, guard your heart. Well, another translation says, above all else, guard your heart. That says, that says, you know, that keep your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart. So your heart is talking about your spirit. Talk about your born again spirit. It says, for out of it are the issues of life. And this is talking about spiritual things. Out of your heart are the issues of life. The Amplified Bible says, out of your heart are the wellsprings of life. The wellsprings of life. Anybody know what a spring is? You know, I, I, you know, I know from, I haven't seen a lot of springs in California. As a matter of fact, I don't think I've seen one. But back in Indiana, there were springs in the woods. There were springs on farms. And I remember one time we stayed at a place when I was a kid, where they had a spring in a cave, on the place we got water from. We had to take galvanized buckets down. And man, your little kid carrying two buckets full of water half a mile, it's pretty rough going. But there was a real clear spring in a cave, and we had to go down there and get water out of the cave to have water in the house. And so he said, out of your heart flow the springs. Life. You know, Jesus said, out of your belly flow rivers of living water. And so it says, out of your heart, guard your heart. For the wellsprings of life come out of your spirit. And then there's another translation that says that the forces of life, 
the forces of life come out of your spirit. God's not a mind. God is a spirit. We got bored again. Our minds didn't get bored again. Our spirits got bored again. Jesus doesn't live in our head. He lives in our heart. And so we got to protect our heart if we want to receive from God. Amen. And so these, it says, it says these issues of life, they're talking about spiritual things. That's faith. How many know that faith comes out of your heart? Anointing comes out of your heart. <clears throat> the power of God comes out of your heart, out of your born again spirit. It's so true healing from God. It's a spiritual thing that manifests in your physical body. It's a spiritual thing that manifests in your physical body. And you know, a, a verse that we all like, but I'll look at probably a little bit as long as I have time. In Mark 16, verse 17 and 18, Jesus said, lay hands on the sick in his name and they shall recover. Well, Jesus at his anointing is right there in your belly and your spiritual insides. He's in your spirit. And Mrs. Pastor a while ago was so good in what she said to you that if you, well, you know, like anything else in life, you know, for plumbing, if water's coming in, the water can't be coming out at the same time or you don't, it doesn't come in. Electricity. If you're putting electricity out, you hook a live wire up coming in, something's going to work, but it's not going, you're not going to get the power. And when a believer that's hooked up with God has the forces of life coming through his hands into another believer, well, when you're praying in tongues, you're putting out spiritual power. And so that's the time you need to just close your mouth, open your heart, and if you say, thank you, Jesus, that's okay, that's receiving. But when they lay the hands on you and that power's coming into you, you don't need to be pushing back against it, but you putting out power too. Because when you're praying in tongues, you're putting it out too. And so your power is going to hit that and you're going to, you're going to water down the anointing you could have got. And then, then, then another thing you've got to know that when believers are laying hands on you, you've just got to receive it, open up and say, Lord, I receive all that you've got for me. Because the power of God's going to come through and going to get into you, going to go to the source where you need it. And you know, I, I want to keep on following my notes. But one thing I learned in healing school is this. That if, say, say for example, that, you know, somebody had flus and stuff like that. Well, if you go to the doctor, and they don't think they give much shots anymore, probably most pills and stuff now and things like that. But it used to be you get a penicillin shot. Or some kind of a shot. Well, you would recognize that when this shot goes into me, you know, when you're able to think, you're old enough to think and understand things, think, well, there's medicine in there. And that medicine's coming into my bloodstream. And that medicine's going to start going through my body. And when that medicine gets to where the sickness is, that medicine's going to start to knock that stuff out. Well, I always looked at my hands as a believer, like hypodermic needles with God's medicine from God. And so, for the ones that received prayer tonight, had hands laid on you, you got to look at it like this. If you went to the doctor, and the doctor gave you a shot, you'd really been bad, sick, and just really hurting et cetera, et cetera. Somebody asks you, you say, well, how you doing? You go to the doctor today? You may not be feeling good yet because that stuff hadn't went through your system yet. But you know it's coming through your system. The doctor told you within two or three days you'll be back to normal. So what would you tell somebody if you'd done that? You wouldn't say, oh, man, I went to the doctor, nothing happened. I, don't, I guess I didn't get anything. I guess he was a quack. Nothing good. I still feel bad. You know what you tell people? I went to the doctor. He gave me an injection of that new wonder medicine they got. That stuff's going in me. And the doctor said, I may not feel anything today, but it's in my system. And so I'm getting better every day because that medicine's working. 
And so if you receive prayer tonight, I'm saying this. As Mrs. Pastor laid hands on you, Jesus said you shall recover. And so whether you feel it today or not, most of the time in this church they feel it. But whether you feel it or not, somebody asks you tomorrow, say, man, uh, you still got that thing? Well, you know what your answer is? I got prayer last night. I had hands laid on me. And they were anointed hands. And the anointing's better than medicine. And the anointing's in my bloodstream. It's in my tissue. I'm getting better every day. Oh, how could you say that? I didn't say that. Jesus did. In verse 18 of Mark 16, Jesus said, they shall recover. And so Jesus said, I'm recovering. And so I went to church last night. Jesus did some work on me. I'm in the recovery room now. Amen. I'll tell you what, somebody can shout if they want to. Say amen or oh me. Amen. And so, healing is a spiritual thing, if you want to keep it. Doctors can deal with symptoms on the outside, but God takes care of the inside from the inside out and it changes things. And so, from the beginning of this thing that hit my body, I knew my first line of defense and my first line of offense had to be the Word of God and then second, medical science. And I'll tell you something that happens to serious believers because it tried to happen to me and after about the first couple of months I realized what it was so I didn't let it happen anymore. I started getting my confidence in what they were doing. I'm glad for what they were doing because I couldn't function my brain for a long time. The blood flow to my brain was shut off and I, I couldn't function. That cancer, that 70% of cancer in my blood, my blood was something called blood. Katie knows the right word. But anyway, me is Sound me, the lady's a Filipino lady, and you know, you can't hardly understand sometimes. You might say anything bad, just, you can't understand sometimes. I thought she said blood velocity, case that was something else. But anyway, she thought my, my blood velocity was whatever it was, and my blood wouldn't hit my brain. And so a lot of times in the last couple of years, what I've ministered is totally my spirit ministering. I spent time with God because I couldn't function before I got to church. I've talked about the last two or three years I was preaching to you guys. I come into church, and be almost a zombie. And I didn't recognize it because sometimes you don't recognize things that are happening because my spirit man is a strong spirit man because I'm full of the Holy Ghost and I keep it that way and I pray in tongues a lot. And tongues is not a head thing. Tongues is a spiritual thing. So I keep my spirit charged up by the Holy Ghost. I'd come in, I'd preach really good and do all the stuff I was doing but in the natural world at my house. I would be there and I would go to my prayer room where I study. I don't my Bible in the morning time I'd be sitting there two or three hours later and then come out of the days and look at, oh, my Bible. Where am I at? What am I doing? I'd come to the kitchen for breakfast with her and I'd sit there, staring at my plate. And she'd say, you better eat. Your eggs are getting cold. And I, I, I couldn't function. You know, I'd be thinking on the inside. And sometimes I said it. I said, I'm sending signals. Wanting something to start working, but I didn't know what was going on. Because when you're a faith person, you're confessing things, believing things. It just happens. So anyway... The doctor said that I was only operating on like 30% of my thing. And so with all this chemotherapy stuff's going on, it's kind of hard in a day's world to not shift gears. And so finally, after a couple months, I mean, I was still doing my watch my brother Hagen stuff I knew to do. I finally said, wait a minute, whoa. I said, praise God for this chemotherapy. But no, Lord, I thank you for that. But that's not where I'm looking. I'm looking to you. And I got my focus shifted back where it belonged. And so what I'm saying to you is this. If you get a diagnosis, the medical part, you don't want to ignore it. I mean, God put those people here to help us with His wisdom. They couldn't do anything if He didn't show them out. 
And so your number one line of attack, your number one line of defense has got to be the word of God. Amen. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You got to resist him with the blood of Jesus, the word of God. And then the number two thing, you can't stay passive and receive from God. You got to not only have the defense up, but like anything else in, in a natural war, warfare, if all an army ever does is the detente, the peaceful coexistence, you can't live with a snake. You can't live with sickness and disease. You can't live with the devil that comes from him. You got to get aggressive. You got to go on the offense. And so you got to get some verses in your heart and in your mouth, such as lay hands on sick, they shall recover. Thank you, Lord, get better every day. You're attacking it with the word. It's got to be the first Peter 2.24. By his stripes, I was healed. If I was healed, I am healed. That's the sword of the spirit. You got to get it out. You've got to start using it. So your defense is tell the devil no based upon the word of God. First Peter 5, 5, 5, 8 says that Satan goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And then verse 9 says, whom resists steadfast in the faith. And so you've got to be quoting scriptures. You've got to be looking at scriptures. You've got to resist him with the word. And you've got to attack the disease with the word of God. Amen. And then while this is going on, if you've been, if you've been hit serious stuff like I was, man, you've got to get help. And that help there is causing other things to happen while you're getting things activated, energized to work it. Amen? Amen. Has this helped anybody? Amen. So I knew that right up front. I want you to look at uh, Proverbs 20.27. Proverbs 20.27. And he's talking about guarding your spirit, guarding your heart. says this, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inner parts of the belly. That's talking about your spirit, man. It says God shines the light of his word. God shines the light of his spirit into your spirit. Your spirit and God come together on the inside of you, and God shows you things when you let him. He said, the spirit of man is a candle of the Lord. And so I knew from the beginning, Satan had no right to attack me unless I gave him permission. I knew that. I've taught this long enough, and I knew that, that Satan has no right to attack me unless I gave him permission. And you write down Ephesians 4.27 if you want to. Ephesians 4.27 says, neither give place to the devil. And so I knew, I knew with Proverbs 20, 27, I had to be open and honest with God and myself so he could help me. I knew that. You know, if you're a serious Christian and you're a tither and attacks come to your life and you don't get them off pretty quick, you got to find out why. See, attacks come to all Christians. Attacks come to all Christians. But when you're walking right and things, etc., you don't have open doors. You get them off maybe in a reasonable amount of time. But when things happen like happened with me, there's doors open. And I found out what to close because I, I had an open heart to God for God to show me. He said, the spirit of man's a candle of the Lord, such in all the over parts of the belly. And so I knew that whatever I opened up in my life, I had to find out so I could close it. I knew that. And so look at First Corinthians chapter 11. And I'm talking about how I received healing from God. 
You know, one thing, one thing about people that need help I learned as a pastor a long time ago. Well, a lot of things I've learned. But I, I can never help anybody that doesn't admit they've got a problem. You know, if somebody comes to me, uh, you know, they're an obvious alcoholic and they want delivered, but they don't think they have a drinking problem, I can't help them. Somebody comes to me and they're addicted to things, but they don't recognize they're addicted, I can't help them. They first of all got to admit they got an addiction. They got to admit they got an alcohol problem. I come to somebody been married five or six times, and they're coming in for marriage counseling, and they're telling me, man, the last five were jerks, and he is too. I think, well, I say, man, this session's over with, I can't help you. You know, every man that you marry isn't the fault. You know, at some point in time, you got to recognize you might have a problem too, lady. Or man, there might be a man. And so what I'm saying, you can't help people till they admit they got a problem. And so I knew that I had a problem, I needed help from God. So I knew I had to be honest with God. So First Corinthians chapter 11, of course, this talks a lot about communion things. And I want you to look at verse 28 to 31. It says, let a man examine himself. You've got to have some self-examination time when you're in crisis. But it's good to have them all the time. You've got to have self-examination time. And then let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation. Or, the synagogue call says, judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And so, communion time is an invitation from God to fellowship with him in a very special way. And that's where God can really help you at. Uh, communion isn't just a nice church ritual we do. It's a life-changing, miracle-working time with God if we take it seriously. I want to say that again. Communion isn't just something we do at a Christian church, our church or any church. It's just something we do because that's what churches do. That's supposed to be a private, one-on-one time between you and your Savior. And if you take it seriously, you can receive miracles in communion. You receive answers to problems of life in communion. And so it says when we do, it says we've got to do it right. And he says in verse 30, For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, or many die prematurely. Many die before the times. God promised us in Psalms 91, long life. And when you look at the Bible, the context of the whole Bible, he told Noah that man's days are going to be 120 years. Up to, up to, up to that time, after judgment of the flood, people lived six, seven, eight hundred years old. They lived for a long time, but then God shortened that after the flood, he said 120 years. And really, in the New Testament, there's no place that God said, I changed my mind, it's not 120 years. God wants to live a long time. And then in Psalms 90, when Israel were out in the wilderness because they, they, they'd been under judgment, then Moses said, people's only lived to be 70 years old. So that's not right. And so when they were under judgment, the minimum that they were getting was 70 years. And so the minimum that a human being ought to live is 70 years. We ought to be able to get 80, 90, 100 years of living in divine health and not die before our time. As Christians, if we have a better covenant, Hebrews 8, 6 says we've got a better covenant even than the said. said we've got a better covenant. Well, Psalms 91, it says, long life. Why satisfy them? So if the Jews under the old were supposed to get a long life and be satisfied, 
We got a better covenant. We ought to have a long life. Amen. That's our covenant. I personally believe that I'm going to receive at least 85 good years. Divide health, strong mind, very healthy spiritually, doing all that God wants me to do in this life. And then when I get to be 85 years old, if I want more, I'll ask him for more. But that's where I, that's where I am with my faith. I believe for 85 good years. I'm not going to die prematurely. I'm going to stick with the covenant. I'm showing you things that I've learned. Amen. Amen. And so look at this verse 30. Let this talk to you personally. For this cause, many are weak and sickly. Because they didn't judge themselves. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. He didn't say in the world. He said in the church. And you know, I learned off Brother Hagin way back in the 80s in teaching divine healing. You deal with the church and you deal with the world two different ways when it comes to sickness and disease. The world's sick because they're not walking in a covenant. They're under the curse. Christians are sick because, number one, ignorance, they don't know the covenant. Or, number two, they're violating the covenant. Let that sink in. He said right here, for this cause, he didn't say all Christians are sick for this cause. But he said for the cause, many are. And so because I've taught that for many, many years... When I went to judge myself, I knew there had to be a cause what's going on with me because the Bible says so. And Jesus told us so many times, it's given unto you to know the mystery of the kingdom. Jesus said, I'll keep back nothing from you. So if my father shows me, I'll show you. I've talked about how I received healing from God. I want to help you receive healing from God. You've got to be open and honest with God and with yourself. You know, I like what Brother Copeland said years and years and years ago. He, he, he did something, got in trouble with God, and he was living a miserable life, tried to deny it, just going through a rough time. And finally, finally, Brother Copeland come to the Lord and he confessed it. He said, Lord, I've missed it. I've done wrong. He said, please, Jesus, forgive me and help me. You know what Jesus said? He said, Kenneth. He said, I didn't know. He said, I didn't just now find out you did wrong. He said, I knew it the minute you did it. But I couldn't help you until you confessed it. He said, now that you confessed it, he said, now my blood's washed it away. Now let me help you. He said, I knew it as soon as you did it, but it's your business to confess it to me and talk about it. Amen. And so when Jesus says right here, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many die prematurely. Then I've said, Lord, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. That's Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24. And steer to be a wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And then he says, verse 31, for we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. And so I knew then, Things that God had dealt me with that I need to change in my life and dealt with me for years on some things. I hadn't made those adjustments yet. So I knew because I hadn't had been in the category of a mature believer and a five-fold Bible minister, I knew according to James chapter 3, verse 1. I quote a lot of scripture, don't I? But I put a lot in. James 3, verse 1 says, My brethren, be not many teachers, for we'll suffer greater judgment. And so I opened doors 
to get myself under judgment. It doesn't mean that God did something. It means that I didn't change things in my life. I wanted me to change it by being a Bible teacher. I was under a more serious calling, a higher level of accountability. And so anyway, at communion time, God said, judge ourselves. That will not be judged. And so I got along with Jesus. I saw where I opened doors. And through the blood of Jesus, I closed the doors so Satan's attack would have to cease. Amen. And you know, I want, I want, I want people to know this about me or any, anybody you look up to in life. That the word of God we teach is true. As something happens, it wasn't God doing it. It was doors that people opened up that Satan does it. Amen. And so, uh, just as surely as we can open doors, we can close doors. So I closed doors, made, adjust, made, 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 made adjustments, and then I repented and meant it from my heart. Not just my head, not just a con job. From my heart. And I got out from under divine judgment. Amen. You know, we don't like to hear those words. But they're Bible words. God has no favors, not even preachers. I remember one time back in, in church stuff we were doing, we, we took a step of faith for the church, but it wasn't really a step of faith. It was a, t- a step of uh, presumption about some property and things we were closing on. And God said to me one day that just, it shook me to the core. He said, I won't violate my word for anybody, not even you. I wasn't doing anything bad. I was trying to help my church. But the church step that we took cost us a lot of money. It really, really hurt. We was trying to get a bigger building and uh, thought, thought we was doing the right direction. We wasn't. And so God said, I want to violate my word, not even for you. And so, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty shaking, but it's a fact. And so God says we need to search our hearts, let him help us, and then when we see things, we need to do something about it. Amen. We want to live long. He said, if you'll judge yourself, you'll not be judged. So anyway, I get up under judgment, and then the healing process could begin. Hallelujah. I want to say that again. I said the healing process could begin. Hallelujah. Amen. But then the Lord told me this. He made this statement to me right at the start. This is about a month into it. He said, you've won the battle of the spirit now, but now you've got to walk it out in the flesh. You know, you know, one reason why I've got to walk it out in the flesh. You know, you've got to understand God's real. God knows you. God knows how quick you are. To chase things, God knows how slow you are to chase things. God knows when things have had a root in you. God knows things about you. So I can tell you, for the last six months, I've made adjustments and made adjustments and made adjustments and made adjustments. I've made changes, made changes, made changes. My wife doesn't even have to do many dishes anymore. She's got a dishwasher now. she got a good dishwasher, but now she got an anointed dishwasher too. So lots of little things in your life. When you're, when you're spending six months not doing what you want to do, lead your congregation thing, you start seeing lots of things you could have changed. And then when you go back to the doctor and numbers are going down, but not as fast as you want them to go down, and you go, oh boy, another treatment next month. Thank you, Jim, that good chemo. And you're doing that again. Then you stop and think, wow, Lord, let me know what I've learned. And you just keep on changing things and changing things. And so see the good thing about it in my life, all the time, those cancer numbers that went down, 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 down. It wasn't a supernatural miracle or it would have went away. But it's a healing going on. 
been going down, 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 down. And so now we're down to where we were to start off the numbers that they go by these numbers, this stuff. Anyway, it was a 4,700 and my account was supposed to be 182. So 4,782 was really, it was looking at death. And so now we're down to 1,200. Glory to God. 1,200. That's, that's why I can stand and preach today and do the things I'm doing. And the reason I backed off a couple, two or three months ago from preaching, because I start off doing good, but because of the low oxygen level of my lungs and things, my blood not doing its job, I get up here to preach the times I did. By the time, by the time I was getting down to that last amen, I really felt like somebody pulled me out here on a stretcher. Can I give you a nugget to help you and correct you as the things to helping people? to the congregation. I learned this lots of years ago, but I couldn't, because of the hearts of people, your heart's all being good, I couldn't say anything, but I can say it now because I'm anointed, so I can say it, look you in the face, and I can say it now and help you. When you're talking to a believer going through a crisis with their health, don't ever ask them how they feel. Don't ever do that. Because, because I can do it because I know my heart, my confession, how things work, I, I, some of you, I did say, you tell me how I feel. They say, how you feeling, Pastor? I say, well, I'll tell you how I feel. I feel like right now you ought to put me in a stretcher and haul me out of here. You ought to put me in a box and just get rid of me. But I don't live by my feelings. I say that to some of you. I don't care remember what you asked me that. But I say, I wasn't being a smart aleck. I was answering your question. And then I say, I'm not going by how I feel my physical body. My spirit is what's determined the course of my life. And so what do you say to somebody? You say, Hey, it's good to see you today. You're looking good. Or something. But people aren't strong in their faith. You say that to them, you're hurting them. How are you hurting them? Because you're causing them to go back into the natural realm and live in the physical. fact of the matter is, most of the times up to about the last month when I come to this church, I feel like I ought to be dead. I feel like I ought to be buried. I came in. And so many things were still trying to hit my body from chemotherapy things and other things. Feelings, if I let my feelings control me, I would have stayed home in bed in my chair covered up. Up to a couple months ago, when we'd have hot days outside, it would be 90 degrees. You know where I was? I was in my bed with an electric blanket on me. Had a blanket on top of an electric blanket. With the heat on the house, the furnace turned up. Because when she wanted the air conditioner on, walk around, go around in a pair of shorts, all I wanted was thermal underground because my blood wasn't working. It wouldn't cause my body to heat up, and that's how I felt. But I never, ever talked about how I felt. I talked about I'm getting better every day. And so when you talk to somebody, you know, walk up and say, say, hey, Dave, good to see you this morning. Dave say, well, how you doing, Pastor? Well, that's an okay thing to say. I say, Dave, I'm getting better every day. But now Dave said, how you feeling, Pastor? I say, well, Dave, you know how I'm feeling? I'm laying on the floor right there because that's how I'm feeling but I'm walking by faith and not by sight. So don't ask people how they're feeling. Yeah, I guess if it's sinners or something, it's okay to talk. They're a different world, different language. But when you're talking to believers, stand the Word of God for their life, man, don't pull them back into that arena. that help anybody? Amen. Amen. I'm telling you how I receive healing from God. And so I got, I got things right in my life and my heart and my attitude and so then God, God could begin doing in my life what he needed to do to get this healing manifested in my body. And so uh, I, I just want to look at this closing thing right here to help you. 
And I'll say this, that the Sundays I couldn't come to church, I watched my pastor, Dr. Barclay, my pastor, his service is live on the Internet. So I stayed hooked up. But look at James 5, 14 and 15. James 5, 14 and 15. And, you know, I, I hope that nobody here ever goes through anything serious. But if, it, if, if you do, listen to these things I'm talking about. This is the Word of God working. James 5, 14 and 15. And I want to say this again. People that only get part of the message because they never really come to very many church services only hear part of it. And they try to get it to work. But it won't work if you just know part of it. You've got to hear the whole message in context to get it. You know, uh, I'm going to read these two verses right here. I made the statement this morning. And, you know, for the tagalongs that were here. What's tagalongs? That's people who come to church sometimes just tagging along, but they're not serious. You know, it's nice weather. There'll be some people we probably won't see again till the, till the weather cools off. Because God isn't that important to them. You know, they may read a little devotional off the Internet or something or may give a praise God, but they won't bring their tithe to the storehouse. They'll be off the beach on Sunday morning. They'll be putting pictures on Facebook. Hey, man, this is the good life. But if they get hit with a serious illness, they don't know what to do. And they'll come into a service like this morning and they'll hear me say, I made a statement this morning, I haven't prayed for healing one time after the first time I got prayed for. Well, they'll think, well, pastor didn't pray for healing, so I'll just say this. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm not going to pray. Well, you don't have anything in you either. You are sick. You need to get some faith in you so you can get healed. They only hear part of the message. But here's the reason. I didn't say I haven't prayed. I said I haven't prayed for healing again since then. I called my staff together the first week of January after diagnosis. And verse 14 says, is any sick among you? Well, duh. Doctor just said, I've got stage four cancer in my blood. So I would say, they're sick among you. It's me. I'm your pastor. I'm the sick among you. But I'm not going to stay sick. And so what do you do if you're sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Well, I've got a lot of people that I call directors, but really, scripturally, they're elders. Elders of the church. And it says, and let them pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Well, there's no magic in the oil. That's the point of contact in the Bible. It's symbolic of the anointing. And then it says this. Now, look at this. This here's a key word right here. You need to get this. And the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. What heals the sick? It's not the oil. The prayer of faith. Not the prayer of if it be thy will. Not the prayer of doubt and unbelief. Not the prayer of hope. The prayer of faith shall what? Heal who? Okay. Who was I? I was the sick. Who did I call for? The elders. What they do? They don't me a fall. Then what they do? They prayed the prayer of faith. And so what that says right there is this. From the time they prayed that prayer, according to God's word, that's God talking to me. God said the healing process has started. Amen. So what, what did I do in May when it felt like I was going to fall over, but I still had bad stuff started? I didn't pray for healing again because God said the prayer of faith healed the sick. You know what I said? I said, thank you, Jesus. They prayed for me. Thank you, Lord. Your anointing is working in my body. You said the prayer of faith that heals the sick. 
getting better every day. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. See what I did? Instead, turn that into prayer. Oh, Lord, please heal me. Oh, Jesus, please heal me. Lord, I'm going on Facebook today. If I get 2,000 likes, maybe you'll listen. No. I turned it into thanksgiving and praise. Philippians 4, 6 says that everything was prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Let your request be known unto God. And so this whole time, I've never one time, no matter how bad things looked, how bad things felt, I've always said, thank you, Jesus. That when they prayed that day, you said that I'm healed. And then it says, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So when doors are open, when you're walking with Jesus, that God begins to do things. And sometimes you may not see him right away. That doesn't mean he's not doing it. That's called walking by faith, not by sight. And so that's why from that day forward, I'd never again ask him to heal me. Because if I, if I did, I'd be saying, Lord, you lied because you didn't answer that prayer back then. But he's not a liar. God doesn't lie. God said the prayer of faith heals the sick. God said he raised them up. They committed sins. He forgives them. One more place and then we'll shut it down. Look at Hebrews 10, 23. Maybe saving somebody's life tonight by hearing this. Hebrews 10, 23. Said, let us hold fast the confession of our faith. Does not say, let us hold fast the confession of cancer. Let's hold fast the confession of symptoms. Let's hold fast the confession of all these other things out there. Confess of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. He is faithful that promised. And so what I've done, in spite of how it felt so many times, in spite of how it looked, have to deal with things. Sometimes when I've had to talk to my wife when things weren't doing good, I wouldn't grab a hold of the monster. I said, okay, Miss Pastor, you got to help me this morning. Having trouble with the mind, but the anointing God's working in me. My legs aren't wanting to move. Right now, because of things, I mean, my hand's shaking so bad, I can't write. You've got to write this for me because my hand's shaking so bad because of all this stuff in me. But see, I wasn't grabbing a hold of that thing. All the time I'm doing, because I still have to operate in this world, I was telling her what I was dealing with. And so then tell her to do that. But you know, the main thing is we know that when those elders anointed me, the anointing God's working in me, and I say no to these symptoms in the name of Jesus. They cannot stay here because they have to deal with life. Sometimes she did most of driving for several months. She said, can you drive today? I was honest about it. I said, no, I can't drive today. Why can't I drive today? Because one day I tried to fake it and stopped in the middle of the intersection out there on the road. Cars bore their horns at me because my perception of everything was off. My spirit was doing good. But on the outside, things weren't working right. So when you stop and all of a sudden people go, well, they blow their horns for because you're sitting out in the middle of the road. Well, if that happens, then you know you got to be honest about things to see. We dealt with what's going on here, but while what's going on here is showing up out here, you have to talk about some things sometimes. But you don't grab, a, I want to say it again, you don't grab a hold of the monster and hug the monster. Say, cancer, you're out of here in the name of Jesus. You can't stay here. You're not my cancer. You're the devil's cancer. You're not my cancer. You know, somebody says, well, how's your cancer? I say, I don't have my cancer. I don't have any. Doesn't belong to me. Something tried to invade me, 
But I told it no. And so it has to stay away from me because I told it no. It can't live here. Amen? And so I've held fast the confession of my faith without wavering to the best of what I can do in spite of things sometimes. And so the doctor says, in Jesus' name, one more treatment. And those numbers where they're supposed to be. And then praise God. Back all the way. We'll never open doors again. Doors will stay closed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. So I hope you got something out of that. Amen, amen. And by the way, the reason I didn't come up there when uh, people were getting prayed for a while ago, in the natural, because of chemotherapy, my immune system would still be compromised from stuff going into it. And so I don't purposely give place to things breathing on me, coughing on me, or getting onto me. Uh, I'm protected, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, I'm not going to open the door to let things get into me. So praise God. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.